First off, I want to say thank you again for everybody tuning in to the Royals Relationship Revelations podcast. This is season two, episode three of the podcast. This episode, for sure, before you even start this, this will be the longest episode that I will ever do. This episode will contain a lot of content that I think is necessary for viewers to get out of the episode. I feel like it's a lot of content that needs to be covered, but I also think that is it's pretty important important for us to cover it in this in this episode. So um a couple years ago I was a teacher at LaGrange High School. So I had a student in LaGrange who had a job um at Dairy Queen, I think maybe was his job. And every night I required these students to do 10 to 15 questions a night of math homework. And this student never turned the work in. And I was always harping on this student. And when I found out that he was the oldest one in his home at the time, as far as a male, and he was taking care of his family, he was taking care of care of his brothers and sisters he was helping his mom out with groceries and bills there became a level of understanding and grace that I have for this particular student and it was it was vitally important for me at the time to to understand that because his agenda was literally just to take care of his family and I understood this and so from that point on, I never treated every situation as a as the same because every every student, every situation, every consequence shouldn't be the same shouldn't be the same for every student. And so that that is going to lead me into last night. So today is Wednesday, and last night. I was driving down Lawrenceville Swanee, which is a very known, very well-known street in Swanee, Georgia, and I was pulled over by a police officer. And immediately when he pulled me over, I knew what it was for. My tag on my license plate is expired, but I... I, I know I have registration. I know my registration is up to date. However, my tag, the the sticker that you put on your license plate, it comes into LaGrange every year because that is my permanent address. And the reason why I never change that address is because I have moved so much in the past few years, in the past two years alone. I probably moved four or five times. But I always keep that the same because I know that that is what's the constant. That's... That is what, that is where all of my mail goes to. And so when the sticker came in, I just never changed it. But I also knew that they had a digital, a digital copy of my information. So the officer pulls me over and he tells me why I'm getting pulled over. I let him know. I, I definitely understand why I'm getting pulled over. And so at the time, so he asked me at the time, do I have my license and do I have my registration? Well, I let him know, no, I don't have my registration on me, but I do have a digital copy of my insurance information. And so I give him my ID. He goes back to the car. Then he comes back. Um, and as I find my digital copy of my registration, my insurance information, I wave him down in the car. And I tell him to come back, and he comes back to the car, and he says, yeah, your your registration checks out. You know, you're good on that. And once again, y'all, police officers have a copy of this information. This is not something that... So, obviously, by looking at a tag, you can tell for sure, but even if you run my my license plate number... You can see if I have up-to-date insurance information, regardless of whether the 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 um, sticker is on my license plate is up-to-date or not. You can still run it. And so 
He comes back and he says, yeah, so your registration checks out, but you have a warrant for your arrest in a different county. And I was like, a warrant? And I asked him, I said, for what? And he said, it's for a a traffic violation. And you were supposed to, you were apparently supposed to appear in court and you never showed up. So he then says, but no worries. It's just a traffic violation. Nothing, nothing should come of this. If I'm going to call down to the county, I'm going to tell them that I have you here. Hopefully you could just pay a fee and then you'll be out your way. So he goes back to his car. Another uh, police officer pulls up and about three minutes later, he gets out the car and he comes back to me. He says, sir, they they won't allow you to pay over the phone. You're going to have to they they want to bring you in. I said, bring me in. And he said, yeah, they want to bring you in into the the office so they can they can book you and so basically and I asked him I said so am I getting arrested for a traffic violation he was like yeah but the traffic violation turned into you not appearing to court when you were supposed to go and I told him I said officer I had no idea that I had a court date and he said sir I'm sorry about that but I'm going to I'm going to need you to leave your car here and we're going to have to take you in. And I told him, I said, sir, I'm a teacher. I have school tomorrow. Is I didn't ask him, is there any way? But I was basically trying to let him know my situation so that this traffic violation that I didn't appear in court for wouldn't turn into anything larger. He was like, I'm sorry, man, I'm going to have to take you in. So I asked him, you know, could I park my car in the parking space? He told me that was fine. So I I, I step on my car. I lock, I lock the doors. I have my wallet, my my AirPods, and my, um, and my keys in my pocket and my phone as well. And he says, I need you to get up against the car. Turns me around. Uh, he puts me in handcuffs. Puts me in the back of the in the car. So as we get in the car, he says, um, "Do you want me to charge your phone because the county that you're going to is about an hour and a half, two hours away?" And I said, "Yes, sir. If you could, because I need to get in contact with people. Once I get the chance to talk to them, I I need to get phones, um, phone numbers out of my phone." So. That that would be great. It was about a 15-minute drive down to the jail that we went to. And the entire time, I am... I'm I'm frustrated. I am... I'm really shocked that, that it went this far. But also, at the same time, I knew that I didn't have my correct tag on it. So, a part of that was definitely due to me. But I just didn't think that... Uh, arresting somebody and and booking them was the most efficient way to go about this and then for a county to say we we want to come bring him in for a traffic violation right it it was crazy to me it was crazy to me i was trying to gather in my head like why why Honestly, why would they want to bring me in for a traffic violation? And I'm telling you, it was it was nothing more than that. So I get taken inside the jail. And for those of you who don't know how this works, I am about to explain you in detail how this works. So I get out the car. He calls me in. I go through a, a door that only people on the inside can let you in. And the lady comes in. And I get asked a lot of information. Sir, where were you born at? What's your birth of uh what's your birth date? What is your social security number? And I'm answering all of these questions and at the time I am still I'm still in handcuffs. So they finally take the handcuffs off of me and I go to 
this <laughs> she said sir can you stay on, on the yellow space now mind you when i step into the building it's like five or six yellow spaces so i'm asking her which yellow space does she want me to step in she was like the second one so i step in the second yellow space that i figured that she's talking about and I, i'm taking my mug shot i'm guessing at this time and she said, sir, do you have any tattoos? Now, mind you, y'all, I have a half sleeve on my left arm that you can definitely see my tattoos. So I said, yes, ma'am, I have a tattoo. She says, how many tattoos do you have? I said, three. And she said, she said, where are they? I said, I have one on my left arm, one on my chest, and then one on my back. She said, sir, do you, do you mind taking your shirt off? <clears throat> Now, mind you, y'all, I am in here with everyone. So every police officer that is in the building right now is in the same room as me currently, outside of the the officers that are in the next room. But as far as the police officers that when you first step into the, the jail, that's that's where I'm at. And so I, I take my shirt off because obviously I have to. Um, she says, can you turn to the side? She takes a picture. Can you turn to the other side? She takes another picture. And then can you turn to the back? And she takes another picture. And so she says, sir, you can you can put your shirt back on. And so I put my shirt back on. And I go up to the desk because they asked me to come up there. I get fingerprinted. And... Then she states, she says, do you need any numbers out of your phone? And I said, yes, ma'am. So I grab a few important numbers out of my phone and I write them down on the same sheet of paper that my mugshot is on. So you can you are only allowed three, three numbers. So I thought of the three most important people to basically get in contact with if anything like this was to happen. Um. So at this point, I walk towards the back, and she says, go to cell four. So cell four is a holding cell. In that holding cell, when I walk in, are 15 males. And I will I will never forget this moment because it is so, it was so impactful to me. As soon as I stepped in the cell, my mindset immediately changed, right? So... Immediately when I walk in, there were spots to sit in the front of the cell or there were spots to sit in the back. And so in the back of the cell was a um, a urinal where you could you could go to the restroom at. And it was an open space, so it wasn't a closed-off toilet. It was a, a open space where if you were in the back, you could see somebody who was using the bathroom. And so I walked all the way to the back and I sat down back there. And the reason, the reason why I sat in the back, because as I told you that my mindset changed, I didn't want anybody walking behind me. I didn't know who. So when I walked in to the cell, as I told you, there were 15 people in there. I didn't know what these other people were in the cell for. I, I had no idea. And so my goal when I walked into the cell was to be there as short of a time as possible. But but also, I didn't want to let people know, oh, I'm only in here for a, tra- a traffic violation because I didn't know if I... W- I didn't know if I was staying the night. I didn't know if I was getting out as soon as possible. I didn't know any anything of that nature. I wasn't told anything. I was told to go in cell four and make sure that the clo- that the door closed behind me. That was all. And so as I walk in, as I told you, there were 15 males. 12 of these males were males of color, black, Hispanic, and then three of the males were white. And so four people were sleeping. So at that point, I figured, I said, y'all have definitely been in here before because it's no way I would be sleeping in a, in a holding cell. And so I, I remember when I walked in and there were peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but they were like stacked up. It was basically like somebody had threw 
four to eight peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and to every corner there were a couple of Lay's Lay's um, potato chips in the cell as well, and then a few apple juices that were like partially open. None were com- completely closed, like none were new. And so that was one of the things that I first remember going in because I hadn't had any food and I was definitely hungry. My blood sugar was definitely low. And I I wanted I wanted to eat, but also I had lost my appetite because of everything going on. So as the hours went by, and y'all, I'm I'm literally talking hours. So I got booked. I say booked. So they took my picture. My I say my picture. My mug shot at seven seventeen. And as hours went by, the next time that I looked at the clock, it was nine thirty. And I'm listening to these people who are already in the cell with me, saying. They were going by saying like the the process that these people were going in and they were coming up with their own theories, right? And so as I'm listening to them talk, in my head, I was trying to figure out, okay, who has been there, been in here before and who like what is actually truthful? So we had some people saying that, you know, after you get booked, to get processed, they go in alphabetical order or they go with people who who have a bond first or people without a bond or in numerical order. None of that was true. No, none of that was true. Even the people who had been in there and and had came up with an idea that they had had it all together and that they knew for sure the 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 way that they were processing people cuz once again once you get booked then you have to get processed to go in the next cell N- nobody knew the the system on how they were working and what was so crazy about this i i didn't ask any questions i i just Basically, was sitting there the whole time, basically in a gaze, but I didn't ask any questions. And I remember a, the, a guy like knocking on the window the entire time saying that he needed his medicine. I'm not sure what kind of medicine he had, but the medicine basically was he needed to take it at a certain time and he needed to talk to a nurse to, to help him out with that. And so. As he's knocking on the window to get their attention so that he can take his medicine, they never once addressed him like a human, right? They they never once were like, sir, we'll get your, your medicine in immediate time. I remember a few officers, a few nurses looking at the window and, and ignoring him, just ignoring him completely. And he's literally... um. Trying to verbalize, obviously they can't hear him, but trying to verbalize, yo, I need my medicine because I've been in here since, you know, such and such a clock and I haven't had my medicine yet. And that that's the part that was so crazy to me. And that's the part that I think sticks out to me the most is that no matter what you are in there for, right? If you are in there for, <laughs> I will get to that in a second, but no matter what you are in there for, they they will treat you as if you are a a real life criminal, right? Uh, apparently, that's their job. I just I I didn't feel that way for everybody who came in. So there was a younger guy who came in right after me. He I say right after me. It was probably about an hour and twenty after me. So he came in. He had his paper with him. He had his his mugshot on his paper, and he came in, and he went straight to the back. So a couple of people have been processed already. We were the ones who were still trying to get booked and processed. He walked straight to the back, just as I did. He sat down, and y'all, when I tell you that this this young, he had to be 25, 26. He just started boohoo crying. Now, I'm not sure what he did to get in there. I, didn't, I never asked him, but... He he was definitely going through it, and it it was so 
it was so crazy to me that you you got a male who obviously I I don't know what decision he made to get in there, but he was struggling with just being in a holding cell alone, right? And a lot of those people that I was in there with were not just about to be in the holding cell for the rest of the night. They were about to spend a few nights. One guy was telling me that this was his third time being in there, and he was going to be in there for for at least 30 days until he saw a judge because that's when his court date was set. One one fellow told me that he would... He got there at one o'clock in the um, in the afternoon that day, and once again I got in there at seven thirty at night, seven seven thirty. That guy was still in the holding cell after me, so I had been processed at about ten thirty, and that guy was still in there in the holding cell at 10.30. So there was no, in my opinion, from what I saw, there was no no system to how this worked. It, from, my, from my standpoint, it was completely random, right? And people were in there the entire time talking about why they were in there and the reasons that they were in there. And one thing that I remember growing up. And if you listen to the first few episodes. My 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 dad was in prison for majority of my life. And one thing that I was. I say I was taught. One thing that I remember him saying. Is that you never tell anybody why you are in there. Right. And that was the first thing that came into my head. When I walked into that, that holding cell. I was like, I'm not telling anybody why I'm in here because obviously I'm in here for a traffic violation. But the other part about that is I don't know if I'm going home tonight, right? And I don't know that if they send me upstairs into a cell, not a holding cell, but a regular cell, if I will have a roommate. I don't know if that roommate is somebody from in this room. And so for for my safety... For my personal understanding of how this works, I'm not letting anybody know why I'm in here. Because I don't want you to think that it's okay for you to to try anything, right? And to to go into that mindset, and mind you, y'all, I, I'm only, I have only been in this holding cell for a few hours, right? But this is how I'm already thinking. I am thinking at this point, I came in at 7. At this point, it is 9.30, close to 10, and I still have not been processed yet. So, in my opinion, I'm not going home tonight. In my opinion, I am staying in this this jail tonight. And from what I was told... I was supposed to be getting transferred to the county that I received my ticket in, which is two hours away. And nobody has shown up for me yet. So once again, there I don't think that there was any any rhyme or reason to to how people got processed or anything. Because once again, there was a guy who was in there at 130 and he he was still in that holding cell after me. So at around 10.30, I finally got caught out of the holding cell. And I got caught, and they, they called me by my last name, and they say, Thomas. So I, I step out. They call a few of us. It's it's two or three of us that get caught out at the same time. But even after we get caught, it's 30 more minutes until I get that yellow. It's like a yellow wristband wristband that they were giving people so that they could go into the room that had the the cell phone in it not i say the cell phone the the jail phone in it so here i am sitting on a, a gray bench waiting for a another car so i could get this yellow wristband so that i can go into the next room and so finally i get into i finally get caught i go into the next cell that has the phones in it and I remember the lady telling me, she said, write down three numbers. 
so I wrote down the three numbers that I, I felt were the most reliable people, right? And you write down your closest family, your friends, your girlfriends. You, you write down all of this just hoping that somebody's going to pick up the phone. And so I remember calling Casey at the time. And I called and she picked up. And I was appreciative that obviously she picked up the phone. And I I told her, I said, listen, I don't know where I'm going to be going or where I'm going to be at. I said, but I am currently in, um, I'm currently in, in, in jail, but I could be getting transferred to another jail, which is about two hours away. I said, I need you to, to keep your phone on you so I can let, hopefully I can let you know where I'm going. And she said, we already paid your bill, and so you should be good to begin released. And I was like, they told me that I couldn't be released until I went down to the county that I, I received the ticket in. And she was like, that's not what they're telling us. And y'all, this entire time, right, I I don't know a thing. They are not telling me anything. The only thing that I was told, the only thing that the lady told me was, Royal, you are here, but we don't we are not booking you. We are only processing your information so that when they come pick you up from the county that you got the ticket in, you can go down there and it could possibly be a lot quicker because you are already booked up here. And so from my understanding, the last thing that I knew from the people who are working there, right, was that. The only way that I could get out is that if I went to this other county, which was two two hours away. And at this point, it is, once again, it is 1030, 1045. And she told me, she said, yeah, so we let them know that you are finally able to be processed and you are able to be picked up. This was at 1045. Once again, I was arrested, handcuffed, placed down into this jail at 7 o'clock, 7.15. And you're telling me that at this time, so in my head, right, as somebody who has, I've, I've done everything right by the law. The only thing that I have on my record is a speeding ticket at the most. You are telling me that at at seven fifteen I get arrested at ten thirty when I prop when I get processed at at the first jail that we we don't even know if these people are on their way to come get me. Y'all got a job. I I got mouths to feed. I I gotta let people know if. If I'm going to be absent the next day. And they don't have any of this information for me. And we we talk about the system. And I would never bash police officers, right? My, my aunt is a police officer. And I know that my aunt does right by people. But to tell me that this was handled today. This was handled in the most efficient way possible. That somebody with a with a traffic violation, with a warrant out for their arrest because they did not attend court for a traffic violation, is having to go down to another county that is two hours away, and you are saying they they told the the police officer who pulled me over, we we want to bring him in for a traffic violation. Y'all, this this didn't seem right to me. This didn't seem right at all. And they made no and I'm not ask I wasn't asking for privileges. I wasn't asking for any special treatment. But I wanted you to treat the, the situation as as what it was. If you look at any of my prior instances where I was in trouble with the law, the 
the only thing that I have on my record is a, a speeding ticket. That's it. That That is the only thing that I have on my record is a speeding ticket. And you are sitting here telling me that I need to come down to your county. Get booked. Get processed in your county, which is two hours away from me. I have a job that I have to do the next day. This happened at 7 o'clock. It is now 1030. And at this point, you are still not at the jail that you were supposed to be picking me up from. And from what I understood after I finished talking to Casey on the phone was that the 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 jail that I was at at the time was under the impression that I wouldn't be able to leave until the morning anyway. Said that they were never on their way. So when I got pulled over... The officers told me, he said, you know, if they if they want to bring you in, we're going to have to take you in. And it's 630. They, sh- they should be able to get you quickly. It was a lie. That That was a lie. When you walk into that jail and you walk into those people's time, you are on their time. And that is what it is. I never forget the lady came to the door and so many guys were asking questions of, you know, how are y'all processing these? And she said, I'm processing them whenever, you know, whenever they come in. That wasn't true. Because, like I said, there were people who were who came in after me and got processed before me. There were people who came in before me hours, literally hours before me that got processed after me. There was no rhyme or reason to how they processed these people, in my opinion, from what I saw, because it was so random. And she said, it's just a waiting game. It's not a game. So I'm a teacher, and obviously, you know, as teachers, we have personal days. We have sick days where I can I can some, somehow try to contact somebody so that they can come in and 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 I can get a sub, but what a, what would happen for the people who weren't teachers and who couldn't take off these days? And they were in there for traffic violations. The the guys behind me, um, in the cell, in the same holding cell as me. They they were telling their stories of why they were in there, and one of them was in there for they had a certain amount of pills on them, so it was intent to distribute, and the other one was in there for battery. The, the It was a 73-year-old man in there, and he told his story, and I remember him asking us when he first got in there. He said, does anybody in here have a military background? You know, everybody answered no. At this point, I was still being quiet because I didn't want to say what my charges were at the time. And he said that he was in there because a white male with a uh, a MAGA hat, a Make, a Make America Great Again hat, was had said something, and the 73-year-old male who was from a military background has served his time in, you know, many different places, said that the dude called him the N-word twice. And he said that he he got, in, he got into an altercation with the guy. He got into a, a physical altercation with the guy. And he said, you know, the worst thing I heard about this is that when I got to go talk to the judge today which he had to go talk to the judge in the same county that we we were both booked in. He said, the judge is going to ask me, do you feel bad about what what you did? He said, no, I don't. And so I got to figure out if my answer, which is truthful, is worth the time that I'm about to spend in here. That was crazy to me. 73-year-old male. Served his time in the military for 20 years, he has said. And that's 
that's what he was looking at at the time. I just, it was so many, so many, so many different stories that you hear over time that you just, it's crazy because none of those stories aligned up with my story, right? I have drugs, no DUI. I didn't get I didn't get into an altercation, no breaking it breaking and entering, none of that. And so after I talked to, to Casey, she had informed me that she had talked to my sister and said that my sister had went to Monroe County and she was forced to pay the bond in per, in person. And that was the the other crazy thing about this. So the county is two hours away from where we're at, but my sister is about 45 minutes away. And so Casey contacted my sister, my sister went and paid it, and they gave her the runaround. Nobody knew anything that was going on. Casey, I came up to Gwinnett County and was trying to get answers, and they basically said, you know, we you you have no way of contacting him. The only way that you can contact him is after he gets transferred. And so the whole time I'm thinking I have to be transferred, but nobody is telling me that R- Royal, if you can get somebody to pay your bond in the other county, you you are free to be released. No nobody is saying this as I'm walking in, y'all. That's important information. The same way that you can tell me that I that I got I am getting arrested for not attending a court date that I truly didn't know I had a court date for a a traffic violation why couldn't why couldn't I walk in and you give me the rundown and say royal after you you get your information after you grab these phone numbers. If somebody can go to the county that you were in and they can pay it off, you will be free to be released. Nobody said that information. Nobody. I was... I was more frustrated than anything because obviously this was my first time dealing with this. And I'm dealing with it because I have a job to go to the next day. I w- I'm not. I'm. Sometimes people aren't granted the grace of saying, I, "I need to call in sick. I need to take personal leave for this." It was frustrating, man. And I wasn't even in. I I didn't shed one tear. As I was in there, it was more of a, I was mad, I was angry, I was frustrated. But I wasn't sad. I wasn't sad at all. So 20 minutes later, after I got off the phone with Casey, um, the the police officer came into the cell that had the phones in it, and he called my name. So I came out of there. And he said, you need to go sit on the great bench. <laughs> now, mind you, as he tells me this, he, he doesn't say anything as far as like you're about to get released, anything like that. He just tells me you need to go sit on the great bench. When they when they call your name back, you need to go back there. That was it. So the guy calls my name back. He tells me to sign a paper. Then he tells me to leave out the door. As I'm leaving out the door, it's an exit sign. And the lady then tells me she, I I put on a a orange like a a clip that they stuck to my shirt and it basically says released. So I walk about a I don't know say about two hundred feet to get to the exit, and there Casey is waiting for me, and I'm finally let out of jail. So. last night, I was booked into jail. About 12.30, 12.50-ish, I was released. The, 
the the worst by far worst five hours in my life it's not even close and i'm t- i'm telling people this <laughs> my sister asked me she said man she was like, you about to talk about that in your next episode? I said, I, I am for sure. The information that I think people need to get from this is that when you walk into those jail walls and you know and you do not know the expectation, that that's a moment because everything in your life, right, mostly up to this point, has been planned, has been scheduled, has been prioritized. I can tell you now, and I would tell anybody this, nothing was prioritized. Nothing was scheduled. I honestly can't tell you the amount of mental spirals that I went in just trying to figure out what was next for me. Because I'm be honest with y'all, y'all, I had plans of staying, of staying the night in jail in this other county. I I would never wish that upon anybody. So this was supposed to be informative. I hope I hope you never have to deal with a situation like that. The guy told me as I was getting arrested. He said, Don't worry about it, man. A lot of soccer moms, you know, deal with this at times too. And I was like, You are you telling me that you would arrest somebody with children in the car because of a, a traffic violation? Y'all, I'm all about by people playing by the same rules and people abiding by those rules. But when you talk about people with a family, right, and they are... You you got kids in a car. You got people that need to be taken care of. Is that not taken into account? I'm I'm not saying so. If I had a warrant out for battery or domestic abuse or you know any flagrant where I, I'm I'm out here hurting somebody or could could hurt somebody. I could definitely understand that. This would not be a a topic of conversation today. But for this to come out, and for you to tell me that I have a traffic violation, and I spend five and a half hours in a holding cell, and... The only reason, y'all, the only reason that I was able to get out in the time that I did is because I know my sister. So my sister stays 45 minutes, about 45 minutes, an hour away from the county that I was, that I received the ticket in. She went down there and she went to them in person and they gave her the runaround. They actually told her at the time that she would not be able to pay it unless she had given them tax information, tax forms. Why why in God's name would somebody who is trying to get me out need tax forms as long as they had the money? <sighs> Crazy. My my mind was racing. So this morning when I woke up and I went to I went to work this morning. I went to go in to teach this morning. I didn't I didn't want them 
I didn't want the justice system to have power over me. Right? I didn't want them to have control over me at the time. So I said, I'm going to work this morning. So even with me getting out late, I went to work this morning. I let my my AP and my principal know. But my thoughts was racing at the time, y'all. I had I had so many questions, right? With everything that has gone on in the world with, you know, police brutality and the things my mind was racing, and obviously, if you look, if you check out the anxiety for a thousand um, episode, you know that I I do I I struggle with anxiety, I struggle with worry, and so the minute that I stepped inside that cell, the first thing I asked myself is, why would you drive two hours for a traffic violation to come pick me up and then to take me down to your county to get booked there, instead of telling me. You, you, you can pay the fine and and be okay. Why would you go all that way for a traffic violation? So my very first answer was, "Are they they trying to make an example out of me? They trying to say nobody can nobody can get away with this." And once again, y'all, if you type in my name, if you type in my ID, if you look at my, if you look at my, my priors, I have, I have nothing at most is a speeding ticket. I've never been convicted. I've never been sent to, to jail. I've never been in a holding cell for anything. And you, and so the time that you thought that you were going to make a statement was for a traffic violation. When I first stepped into that cell, the 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 only thing that I did after I sat in the very back because I didn't trust people walking behind me in the cell where I didn't know anybody, <clears throat> the first thing I did was I said one prayer and one prayer only. And that prayer was, if I get transferred, I want to make it there safely. And I was, as I was saying the prayer, I got a tad bit emotional, but I got myself together before I ended the prayer because I knew of the I knew of the African-Americans in police custody who lost their lives. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be another one. I didn't want to be another statistic. I think that scared me the most. After I changed my mindset walking into that holding cell and noticing that people in there were of of my descent who grew up in the same streets that I did I was more worried about making it to the the next place in one piece than I was more than anything that was the only thing that was scaring me that was the only thing that I think was keeping me up at night was that if I get transferred and it's me and another police officer in the car by itself and you are transferring me here for a traffic violation. Am I going to get here safely? Am I am I going to be able to see my kids the next day? Kids as in my students. Am I going to be able to see my nephew and my sister and my mom? Am I going to be able to talk to them again? It gave me a level of gratitude immediately when I walked out of those doors to the jail cell. That I will never forget. I'm forever grateful. Forever grateful for my sister, for Casey. They they brought me out of a uh, of a place that I I feel like 
nobody should be, especially not for a traffic violation. So, all in all, I say this, and I know I continue to say a traffic violation, and y'all probably are sitting there wondering, why does he have a warrant out for his arrest? What was the traffic violation? A year and a half ago, I was pulled over in the county, two, two hours away from where I'm living at now, where I was arrested at. And I was given a ticket for not putting on my blinker for switching lanes. Last night, I sat in a cell for five hours, not knowing what to do, no communication for not attending a court date for a blinker. I think that's all that needs to be said. I, I pray, I hope that we can change this system. Experiencing it for myself was the most eye-opening, the most humbling experience I've ever experienced. I hope you all got something from this message. I apologize for this episode being so long, but I feel like you needed to know every detail, every aspect of what I went through last night. My prayer is that we continue to be grateful for going home, for going out and making it back home and not taking those moments for granted. Because last night could have easily been a situation where I didn't make it home. Thank y'all for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. Please continue to support the Royals Relationship Revelations podcast. And I will see y'all next week. Thank y'all.